because the stars are shining bright. Yes, I am so excited. Thank you again for co-hosting with me this season. We are on episode number two, and I'm so excited. If this is your first time with us, I am Stars Tina, and this is... Pastor Jeff, better known as PJ. PJ. And we come to you to bring you stories, ideas from men only this season. Men only. So... PJ is going to be leading the pack that have gone through some type of trauma or tragedy. I like to call them traumaties and turn them into a triumph. Are you excited about today's guest, Pastor Jeff? I am excited about today's guest. Anytime I can chop it up with the brothers, you know, it's a great day. Yes. So it's time to enter the barbershop. We're going to call it PJ's barbershop. I can sit in the back. <laughs> We have our guest today. Let's get that drum roll. Give it up for Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you, Will? Hey, look, I'm doing my best. I am too blessed to be stressed, and I'm too annoyed to be disappointed. And guess what? I am with the two most powerful, beautiful people that I've met on Clubhouse. And listen, I had to pinch myself to, to, to see if this is real. Because I've got stars Tina here. And I've got Pat, the good looking Pastor Jeff with us here. Man, listen, I'm excited. I am excited. Yeah. Yes. So, Pete, I'm going to throw it over to you. But before I do, I just want to tell you why I, I thought of Will being our very first guest. So there's this app. It's called the Owl app. You know, Clubhouse is an app. That's where we met Pete, where we were talking. And I saw Will on there as well. But there's this app called the Owl app. And it's a way that you can get hosts for, you can find people and talk. So I was looking for hosts for, I'm sorry, guests for my podcast, and I saw him on there, and I started talking to him, Will, I'm talking about. And then he told me he had a book coming out, and I was like, yes, I've got my book coming out too. And he was telling me about his book and all the things that he's gone through in his life, and I was like, oh my gosh, he's on the trauma train. <laughs> so I thought he would be the perfect person to be on our show. And so Will... PJ was on my first season and my second season as I did my show. And I said, you, you know what? It'll be great to partner with him because a lot of the ladies, you were right, Will, when you said they liked his voice. <laughs> a lot of the ladies, like they wanted more input from men. So I'm going to pass it over to you and PJ so you can share your story. Tell us a little bit about you. And then 
PJ can uh, question you. Over to you, Will. Tell us a little bit about you. Yes. What's up, everybody? What's going on? My name is Will Baptiste, also known as the Haitian Cessation, the only one in the nation. Being born in Haiti, I moved uh, to uh, Miami, Florida to reunite with my mother uh, in my teens here. And then um, life was laughing me. And from the age of 25, I moved to Canada. I had nobody. And I, I, as a matter of fact, I moved to the French part, which is in Quebec. And I had nobody and I didn't speak any French. But I knew that that was my only shot because of everything that I've been through, I got to a point where uh, I had three options. Um, either got deported back to Haiti, which is, was not an option. Um, spending the rest of my life in prison, which is, was not an option. Or I might have been killed. But you know, when you get to a, to, 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 to a road and they say that there are four options, right? You can either go forward, backwards, you can either go left or right. But there was a fifth option. I stood right there and I didn't move. And I said, God, I'm not gonna move unless you, you, you make me move. And God said, you know what? Now that you trust me, now that you, you, you give it over to me, now it's time for me to step in. And I tell you, God, God step in and he show up and he show out. Here I am 17 years later, I've been clean. Um, and, 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 I, and I thank God for, for all the things that I've been through, uh, which we're going to, you know, get into, but all the things that I've been through realize that it didn't happen to me. It happens for me because I realized every master was once a disaster and I was a disaster. And now today I am mastering my emotions. <laughs> I love it, Will. I love it. Mastering your emotions. And that's one of the things we want to stress here on this show is men with emotional intelligence. Now, Will, what you may not know about Pastor Jeff is that in my previous life as a soldier in the army, I went to Haiti during the time that uh, Aristide was put back into power. So I have some insight on what happens in Haiti. Now, before we get into your book, would you mind sharing with our audience just a little bit so they can get a background? Uh, in Haiti, I learned there was two classes. It was either super, super poor or super, super rich. There is no middle class. There's no in between. And the thing is, unlike America, where you can start out poor and through ingenuity, entrepreneurship, or whatever means, you can absolutely become a part of the affluent. My understanding is that in Haiti, wherever you were born, while you're in Haiti, that's where you stay, where you stay. Would you share a little bit with our with our audience uh, that socialization of Haiti? Yes, absolutely, man. You're taking me back to my me to memory lane here. Hopefully, I won't get too emotional, but I don't mind because uh, emotions is a feeling, and and it, it's all it's all well. Actually, when people look at me, they think that I was super rich. Why? Because we had a roof of our head, and my mother was an entrepreneur. She was traveling around the world um, and, and for import and export. But what people didn't know is what was going on inside a house. Um, you know, eating maybe once once a day. Um, a, a lot of things were happening, but I believe that it was forging me to become the man that I am today. So yes, and what I was, I was, I was living 
this both sides of the same coin. So in one sense, people looked at me like, my God, you got it all together because you got a you got a huge house. But what people didn't understand is what was going on because we 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 know how to put a show together, right? Or we 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 men, we know how to put a show together. But at some point, when when the lights out, the doors close, and the dust settle, then when the rubber meets the, meets the road, that's when you realize you don't have it that much together as you, you Dutch did. But for me, it was all about surviving. I had to because I had no choice. I had no father. Um, I had to quickly grow up as a man at 12 years old and, and to really find my way in life and navigate through. And that's why my whole childhood really was absent. And I had quickly to become a man and really never really uh, enjoyed the time. And it, from that point on, it just, it's just, it just keep going downhill, man. But I'm here and this is all that, that's, that, that matters. You know, the past is the past. And this is where we are right now. And I'm enjoying every day of my life because I am living on borrowed time. I was supposed to live past 25 and I'm 43. So every day is, 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 is a blessing for me. So I don't take anything for granted. Well, in a single mother household, when a young man has to take on the responsibilities of a full grown man, how would you say that affects him in his adult life? The fact that he didn't get have an opportunity to really live out a childhood. Right then, there was trauma. There was trauma because my father wasn't around. There was trauma because I didn't have a childhood. Now, I could make a lot of excuses for what I didn't have. For me, and I can speak for myself, and having worked with a lot of men uh, that, that went to a similar situation, that, that, that live a similar situation, what I find um, very common is that we grow up with a very, very feminine energy. Now, there is nothing wrong having both feminine and masculine energy, but one overpowers the other. And that's number one. Number two, it takes a man to teach a man how to become a man. <laughs> Say that again. Okay? It Say that one more time. Man, it takes a man to teach a man and you know how to become a man. And I didn't have that. Uh, third, by the time that I was, you know, by the time that I was six, you know, at three years old, my, my father passed away, didn't really know him. So that was right there rejection and trauma within itself. At six years old, my mother started traveling. I felt like it was an abandonment because I didn't know the life. So basically, as I grew up with 11 women in the house, um, you can you can just imagine. Um, each woman having their period at a different date. I'll tell you what, it was um, it was not pretty. But anyway, um, you know, growing up with 11 women, and at some point, and this is probably the first time I'm going to say that live, I wasn't sure about my sexuality because the only thing that I knew was feminine energy. The only thing that I knew was women talking, you know, gossiping. or, or But for some reason... I wanted to make my voice known. For some reason, I wanted to, to speak up and speak out, but I couldn't because it was forbidden. So for me, and as I was, you know, as I grew up, and be, be you know, my mother, my grandmother passed away, and then again, I felt betrayed 
because why would she keep what would she leave me in this world not knowing how to navigate to this world so so we have compound trauma and trauma and trauma and trauma and to a point where i say you know what how am i going to be a man i don't know how to 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 change the oil in my car i don't know how to tie my own tie i don't know the the manly thing i don't know how to use a hammer the all the manly thing who's going to teach me so at some point i say you know what i forget it i'm not going to learn this because it's too hard so for me right then and there my self confidence my manhood the all being questioned so i quickly at the age of 16 i'm like you know what i got to do something now i want to know what it's like to to be with a woman and 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 having a girlfriend and so on and so forth and there was a man that was supposed to be a family the, the a family friend that was supposed to be there and and help me ended up taking advantage of me and from that point on i had trust issues because not having a father not knowing how to navigate to this world and being so open and vulnerable to this man that's supposed to be a, a family friend ended up taking advantage of me so at that point i didn't trust nobody especially when it comes to man so it was very hard it was very very hard but then again looking back i wouldn't change my past looking back i wouldn't change the thing that i went through because it i'm big it made me the person that i am today well you know will one of the things that you stars and i have in common is that we have gone through several traumas, but what I love about it is we don't look like what we've been through. Now, you share something that was uh, uh, very important, I believe, for, for single mothers that may be watching, and that is you talked about the feelings of being abandoned with your father passing or transitioning, I like to say it, from life, temporal to life everlasting at a very young age. Uh, with the same transition of your grandmother and then with your mom traveling, one of the things that our listeners may not recognize is that while your mom was there and while transitioning is a part of life, in a child's mind, it's abandonment. Can you share with us how you recognize that that was abandonment and what was your changing point? What was the turning point of you not being the victim of abandonment to you becoming the victor of your circumstance. Absolutely. It took me about 40 years to finally realize that that was abandonment. In my mind, as a young man, as a young boy, I look at my mother as a shero. I look at my mother, you know, leaving Haiti behind, leaving all her children behind to, to look for a better life, to go in that, you know, promised land where there's honey and, and milk. Well, is what that's what they say but for me at that point it, it was the right thing to do but just like the sun the sun can burn you if you stay too long but nonetheless the sun is still there the sun is not bad for burning you you just got burned because you stayed too long in the sun right or for whatever reason so what she did wasn't bad but it was still abandonment nonetheless so i came to realize i can't hold that over your head she did the best she could with what she had. So I had to come to that understanding as a young man going to therapy for the first time at the age of 41, which we'll, we'll, we'll dive into this, mm -hmm. understand that it was abandonment. So go back and deal with those things. Because if you do not reveal, if you do not heal, if you not, if you don't reveal the things that you've been through, how can you heal from them? You cannot heal from what you don't reveal. 
So for me, I had to make past, I had to make uh, peace with my past, and I had to forgive my mother because forgiveness is not for them; it's for me. Um, but one other thing that I want to go back for, for for mothers who are listening to us, who who, who are uh, a single parent, because that's a different being being a single parent and single woman but that's a whole another conversation <laughs> for another time Say that. yes sir. Right. yes sir but 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 for for women who are single mother please understand you cannot raise a son and what as i've always tell people a mother will raise a daughter but will love a son listen to this they will raise a daughter but they love the son so a single mother cannot raise a son. She'll do her, her best. But what I would highly recommend is to find men, trusted men in the, in the area and to turn that, I wouldn't say turn it over to the man, but having some type of mentor because sooner or later, this young man is going to become a full-fledged man. And you want him to have traits as, as a man, having his manhood and understand how to how to. Treat a woman, understand how to navigate through this uh, uh, hard, hard world. So that's what I would highly recommend. Find a mentor, find a program, help those young boys to become a man before they become a man, to help them to become a husband before they become a husband. So I think there's a lack of, see, the problem is we try to toughen our boys instead of teaching resiliency. So this is, there's a difference because I was tough. Tough is what got me into prison. Tough is what got me into a lot of trouble because I wanted to be tough. But if I was taught resiliency, which would have been different. Now, would it have a different outcome? I don't know. But we have to stop teaching our boys to be tough, not to cry, not to show emotions because we're all human beings and not human doings so we do have emotions and i want people to understand that men have to be their emotions have to be validated and it has to be released because if it if it's not released think of it as someone who's who's constipated and i call it you know emotional suppression i have a name for that it's called emotional constipation so think of <laughs> think of someone who's who's constipated it's got to release somehow because it's gonna hurt right so i think for so long as men, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because I think it's time for us to 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 be validated with with our emotions and to to give us that safe space and let it, let us know that it is okay to cry. Let it, let us know that it is okay to be vulnerable. It does not uh, make you less than a man. It does not make you uh, weak. It does not make you look some type of of of, of feminine man, but it actually empower you. That used to be my kryptonite. Now it's becoming my superpower. And that's why I'm known, even on Clubhouse and everywhere on the social media, this is the emotional man. I don't mind being emotional mm -hmm. because that's, that, that is absolutely God's given right for me to be emotional. You said something there as a marriage and relationship facilitator for a number of years. You talked about the difference between being tough and resilience. And when I thought about that, I thought about, I, I like to say, we all come with baggage, whether we recognize it or not. Some folks have an overnight bag. Some people have an entire 10-piece luggage set. And you've got to unpack that baggage you talked about. It took you up to the time of 40 to really just start to unpack that baggage. With that toughness, we are hiding things to be tough. 
we're hiding our emotions. But resilience is I'm able to embrace my emotions and get over the hurt and get over the pain. Now, you talked about being a house with 11 women, bro. <laughs> oh, my prayers pray, go pray out. Pray for me. Pray for yeah, me. Yeah, my prayers go out to you. But I like to look for the Romans 8 and 28. And for those who don't know what that is, that's a scripture in your Bible. I reframe it to say uh, the life of a born-again believer, and this is where I believe it, is that all things work for God's good. And if they work for his good, they have to work for mine. So tell me if I'm correct when I say the Romans 8 and 28 of being in a house with 11 women is that because you saw emotions expressed, it became easier for you to learn how to express them. Would, would that be a correct assessment? It would have been nice if that was true, but it wasn't. Okay. Because I was the only man. I had my younger brother, which is five years uh, younger than me. I had to show toughness whenever mm -hmm. they were crying. I had to show toughness whenever they were being emotional. Mm -hmm. So I had to be the backbone. I had to be the one that said this, everything's going to be okay. What inside of me, I'm dying. What inside of me, that's all kinds of feelings are going on, but I couldn't show that. I couldn't show up because there was no other man. Somebody got had to hold everybody together. So growing up with that kind of mentality, now I'm taking up on me to show up for everybody else, but for me, for myself. I had to show up for everybody else. And you know, they say that, you know, men wear about five masks every day. Depends on where we are. Depends on where we have to be. We got to put on a different mask. Now, the, 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 the caveat of, well, I wouldn't say the caveat, the, 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 the good part that I appreciate a lot about growing up, uh, you know, growing up with 11 women is appreciate a woman, mm. loving a woman, protecting a woman, being a provider. Um, I love, you know, and I, and I, and I learn about women listening from women. You don't learn about, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell all the men that are listening to, don't be, don't go to the barbershop to learn about women. No, 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 that ain't going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't listen to the talk show for, uh, you know, for men and learning about, about women. No, you see that different. And I had the privilege, well, I didn't have a choice, right? Mm -hmm. But, but, but that was part of my life and, and listen to them. Although I didn't put them all in practice because I ended up being <clears throat> getting divorced twice, but that's a whole another conversation for another time. I I, I, I dropped. Well, well, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna fast forward us. Tell us what was the transition from the five mask, the transition from being the tough guy, the transition from being the male role model for your little brothers to emotional intelligence. What brought about that transition and when did it happen? Uh, my back was against the wall. Um, I, I remember vividly um, 2020, um, I had just lost my baby sister. Um, she, I didn't lose her, uh, she transitioned because I believe we energy and energy never dies and I know she's in a better place. Um, I lost her, she's 34 years old brilliant young lady just got promoted as a head doctor at the baltimore um hospital in, in in the united states two weeks later she passed away um and then right after that i came home 
I remember vividly January 2020. Um, came home, found a letter in my in the living room, and my second wife walked out of me with my son. And I had a lot of things going on personally, but I got to a point where I was a, I was just cursing God on one hand, and I was crying to Him on another hand. I'm like, how could you let all this thing happen to me? I said, I can't take this no more. And and planning my own transition, if you know what I mean. And just sitting there contemplating and looking outside, I say, I got to make sure that it, it's our transition and a nice day because I want people to remember me. Not on the day where it was snowing, where it was dark, but I want people to remember me on a day where it was beautiful, sunny. And for five days, I sat, I sat on my couch, not eating it, not taking a shower and just going out God and pointing my fingers to God. And then as I was sitting there and I heard a voice. Say, will rise up, and I look around. But I remember back in the Old Testament when when Samuel heard the voice and thinking he was Elisha, he went to Elisha. He said, "Did you call me?" He said, "No." Second time, "Did you call me?" He said, "No." Third time, he said, "Just go back to sleep and say, here I am, Lord.'" And that's exactly what I did. And he said, "Will rise up. Now your life will begin. Today your life begins." That's why my business, everything that I do is called Will to Rise. Yeah, not only is part of my name, but that's the call that I got on, on me. That time, and from this point on, I vow to never let what happened to me be, be, be just be a story among many other stories. I want it to be, a, 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 I want to use my setback as a setup for a comeback, and that's my big comeback. So... Emotional intelligence wasn't something that that I just that I just you know somehow magically happens. I had to do the work, and I've never been a therapist before. And as a black man, and as a man from the island, this is this looks like this is taboo. Whenever you talk about mental health and mental issues, they think of it as voodoo. They think of it as some kind of black magic. You couldn't talk about that. Especially, didn't, didn't, I couldn't find any black therapists. So there's no way that a black man was going to go to a white therapist and air out the dirty laundry. <laughs> but I know that if I keep doing the same thing that I've been doing, I'm going to keep getting the same thing that I've been getting. And what I've gotten hasn't worked out for me. So I knew I had to make a change. And that's when I started seeking help. And that's when I started unpacking 30 years of trauma from Sexual abuse from the age of 9 to 16, molestation from 16 to 18, incarceration five times from the age of 18 to 25, moving to a country where I, I know nobody, and being married and getting divorced twice, something, something inside of me is crying out for help, but I didn't know how to look for help. Because as a man, if I ask for help, that means I'm weak. That means I don't have it all together, but I would rather be weak and be alive. But it wasn't weakness. That was a sign of strength for me to know that I needed help. Actually, asking for help is a sign of strength because you're strong enough to know that you need help. And from that point on, my journey began. Three therapists, three years later, three therapists. And there were three things that I had to do, which is part of my program, which is part of what I teach men. I call it the three, AAA effect. Awareness acceptance and action because for 40 years i was living a lie 
Why? Because I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who. who, who I know that I, my name is Will Baptist. I know what they've told me. But what people say about me doesn't make it make it make it so. <laughs> so I had to come to my full understanding of myself and say, who am I? Who is Will? Besides the name, besides where he was born, who is he? What was he born to do? And that's when I start getting to know myself. And, and, and really, now I could show up for myself because I was telling people who I was based on a lie. And when they treated me based on what I was telling them, it didn't align with me because that wasn't me. I had a, I had a, a, a identity crisis. So went from self-awareness, knowing who I am, my values, my negotiables, my non-negotiables, my needs, my wants, my standards, my values, my, 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 all of those things. And then the second thing that I had to do, I had to accept the past. I had to accept the fact that, hey, you were, you were sexually abused. That, ain't, that wasn't your fault. Mm -hmm. You were molested. That wasn't your fault. I had to forgive myself and I had to accept the past. And then last but not least, I had to take action because nobody else was going to do it for me. I had to step up and say, you know what? Now that I am made aware of who I am, now that I have accepted my past and I made peace with my past, now what do you do? And that's when I decided to no longer be a victim. I'm going to be a victor. No longer to live in that mess, but turn that mess into my message. Mm -hmm. No longer, uh, um, you know, looking at that test as something bad, but I, I turned that test into my testimony mm -hmm. and no longer to look at my story as a tragedy, but using my story to impact history and looking at my disaster and say, you know what, how can I be, I can, I, how can I go from being a disaster into a master? So now today with everything that I've been through, now I finally understand why I had to go through what I went through because I was made for the for a time such as this. Now this well, is my calling. This wanna, is my purpose. Well, I want you to speak to the man that hasn't come to the awareness yet. That that man who is still hiding behind the mask. The man who has that bag that's packed up with his past that he won't address who has been through molestation, perhaps uh, uh, sexual abuse, uh, perhaps domestic violence. And he feels that if he opens up, that it will be a sign of weakness that he may lose everything that he has. Take a moment and speak to that man, if you will, of how does he come to that very first step that you identified, which is awareness, because without that, we can't get to action. So would you take a moment and talk to him for me? Absolutely. What I like to do, I like to paint a vivid picture. If you have a wound and you didn't, you don't go to the hospital, you try to, you try to fix it, how, you know, you try to fix it yourself not going to the hospital, not getting the proper uh, medication or, or, or anything like that to make sure that uh, you clean the wound, it doesn't become infected, and so on and so forth. Now, you're at that point right now, and you say, you know what? I can either go to the hospital 
and get it checked out so he can be healed properly. Or I can go on with my life and constantly having that open wound. The reason why I'm saying that is because when you begin to do this work, it's going to hurt. It's like cleaning that old wounds. It's going to hurt. But keep in mind, keep the end in mind that you're going to be healed as you go through that cleansing process. Now, you might say, well, well, I know it's going to hurt, but I still don't want to go through it. Well, let me ask you this. You were a man. You were born to be a leader. You got to show example. You got to step up. We are all born to be a leader. Now, the question is, are you going to step up to that leadership role that you've been giving? And knowing that we have other young men that are watching you, do you want to see them go through the same thing you went through? Because you may or may not have kids. I don't know where you are in your life. But let's just say you don't have kids. Knowing what you've been through, do you honestly want to see another man go through that? No. So the question is, can you be the sacrificial lamb to say, you know what? I'm going going to go through this so that way when I come up to the other side, I can teach other young men that are coming behind me what to do. And that's exactly what I did. Did it hurt? Absolutely. Uh, my biggest depression started after I started going to therapy. Mm. My biggest depression. Because now I had to relive the 30 years of abuse. 30 years of 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 abandonment and betrayal and, and, and justice. And you mentioned something about, you mentioned something about domestic violence, mm -hmm. which is something that men don't, don't normally talk about. I'm a former bodybuilder. I squat in my younger, my younger days, I squat 700 pounds. I benched 300 pounds. Could you imagine me calling the cops and say, I'm, I fear for my life? <laughs> They will laugh at me. I'll probably get arrested for lying. But this is what a lot of men are going through each and every day. And we, are, we can't say that. So we are suppressing our emotions. So what I'll tell men is this. Is, it is hard, but it is worth it. I just want you to, to, to look 10 years down the road and to see your growth, to see your healing. Is that worth it? And I can honestly tell you, it is absolutely worth it. So if you're in a place right now or you're contemplating whether or not you want to go or you want to you talk to somebody, find another man that, is, that can be vulnerable, whether it's me, whether it's somebody else. Find a man that you know that can show the emotions because that man will create that space for you so you can be emotional and you can be vulnerable. Go online. Reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to be my brother's keeper. Well, thank you for that. I want to thank you for your transparency, your vulnerability. Now, I want your permission to ask a hard question. It's going to be a very personal question. It's a hard question, but I want your permission to ask it. And I respect if you say, PJ, I'm not ready for that yet. We'll move on. But if you say, go ahead, then... I'm going to drop it like it's hot. You have carte blanche. All right. As you shared your story, 
one of the things that I recognize as a man is that if you've dealt with or when you've dealt with sexual abuse, when you've dealt with molestation, the strong possibility and likability of questioning your manhood, how people, one, are going to look at you, how they will perceive you. Will, would you share with us if you went through that and how you got to a point that it didn't matter, that you were going to take your mess and turn it into your message. You're going to take your trials and turn it into triumph, that you were going to take your victimhood and turn it into victory. Do you mind sharing that? Not at all. And I think it's very important that I share that because I went through that. I went through that in, in, in several ways. Number one, I did question my sexuality, whether or not um, I was going to, I was going to be with women, uh, with, with women because of the fact that I was raised, you know, I grew up with a lot of women and at some point, um, you know, 12, 13, I, I started, you know, my, my, my version of, of, of Medea, <laughs> you know, dressing like women and doing all kinds of stuff. And having gone through that it could have been and it, i think it's god i can't say there's nothing that i did on my own but there was a time and i didn't care at some point i didn't care what people think of me because what people think of me is none of my business because opinions is the cheapest commodity everybody has one so i didn't really <laughs> care right but what did frighten me is when i had my daughter at the age of 30, I had my daughter and I was in and I was cleaning her. I felt like I felt like I was cleaning her a little bit too long than I should have. Mm. And then I quickly asked myself, well, what are you doing? And I stopped. And I lied to her mother. I say, I don't want to clean it. I don't, I can't, I can't deal with poops and stuff like that. I'll feed her. I'll do everything, but I do not want to clean her. She said, okay. But she never knew why. Because I had thoughts. And I'm not ashamed to say that. I had thoughts. And I knew that a lot of people that have been through this ended up doing that to other people. But I had a different mindset. Because I wanted to be the cycle breaker. I knew I wanted I wanted to be a cycle breaker. So by the time that my daughter get about a four or five years old, and I and I and I got my daughter, my son, and, and my wife back then, I said, I told my daughter, I said, if if daddy ever touched you in a way that you do not like, I said, you tell mommy. And I tell my wife, I say, if I've ever done anything unlike me or, or anything to our kids, please call the cop and get me some help. That's powerful, Will. That, I, that I, and, and, and at that point, I say, you know what? That's not. There's no way that I'm going to perpetuate this type of behavior. There's no way that I'm going to continue that pattern. I, I know they say that 
hurt people, hurt people, but also heal people can heal people. Mm-hmm. And I decided from that point on, I was going to be healed and I was going to be delivered from that demonic spirit. And God yes. delivered me. So to answer your question, did I have thoughts? Absolutely. Did I question my manhood? Absolutely. But just because I question it, just because I have thoughts, I don't have to turn those thoughts into action. And God, by the grace of God, I am as manly as as it can. (laughs) I am an alpha male. And trust me, (laughs) you don't want to test me. (laughs) That is powerful, Will. I will share very quickly as uh, as, as we come close to the end of this interview. And I'm sure we're going to have to have you back again. Your story is too powerful for us to end just with this one segment. But as you shared, I'll I'll open up and share uh, in that questioning your manhood. Now, as a child, I grew up with both of my parents, my mother and father, they divorced uh, when I was in high school. And I like to say, uh, we grew up in a home where my dad ran everything. He told the roaches when they could come out, (laughs) <laughs> you know, no, nobody questioned John Franklin Moffat. Whatever he said, that I mean, you're talking about alpha male. That's that was my 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 dad. He was my my hero. As an adult, young adult, after they were divorced, my mom shared with me something that I'm like, okay, she's just a scorned woman. She she said, Jeff, your your, your dad was bisexual. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> we saw no tendencies, no nothing. Long story short, Will, my dad died in a full homosexual relationship. Some all in the middle of that process, when I have boys, I have all boys. I questioned, I had to question because I had a professor uh, when I was doing my graduate work that said or suggested that the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Mm. And so then I had to say, okay, well, if that's who he is, what does that say about me? Mm. And I had to grab a hold to my own identity. But this is about you. So I want to appreciate you sharing that. And I want men that are listening to understand that there's nothing wrong when you have gone through something that caused you to question who are you, to question your identity, to question if my dad is absent, does that mean that I'm going to be an absent father? If my dad was a certain way, does that mean that I'm going to be that certain way? And you don't have to. As Will said, he was the breaker of generational habits. I don't call them curses, but generational habits. Somebody has to break the habit. Will, tell us about your book, where we can find it and tell us what was the impetus of it and what should we look forward to while we read it. Absolutely. The Will to Rise, How to Persevere in the Face of Adversity. I knew my story had to be shared because although I experienced them, but it was for other people to to learn from them. So that book, I've been impregnated with that book for, I say a year and a half, but really my whole life, because it's my whole life from Haiti to, to, to U.S. and to Canada. Everything that I've been through, 
I think that book is definitely going to be to allow men to come out of the shadow, to allow men to drop the masks, to allow men to say, you know what? I don't have to have it all together. I don't need to be strong all the time. I don't need to show up for everybody all the time. As a matter of fact, I need to start showing up for myself. I need to have, I need to help people from a, not a full cup, from an overflow. Because I want my cup to stay full. So therefore, I'm only going to help people from the overflow. Self-care is not selfish. <laughs> so we need to love ourselves. And, and, and what I want men to understand, and for women, it, it, it's funny because I, I, I teach men, I coach men, but 82% of the people that are my clients are women. Ironically, you know why? Because men don't want to step up. So now I got to find a way to get to the man via the women, be it the mother, the, the daughter, the cousin, the sister, the wife. Because men are not coming straight to me because they still find it embarrassed to come to a man and say, I'm having this problem, I'm having that problem. Well, guess what? Let me be the face of man's emotions and vulnerability to say, listen, I don't mind being the sacrificial lamb. If my life, if laying down my, my life, so to speak, if laying down my emotion and my vulnerability to stop this crisis, which is, which, which, which is men, men suicide, the suicide has skyrocketed because men are suppressing their emotions. They're turning inwards. So this book is everything. This is volume one. There are two more coming out. And, and from what people have contacted me, they want to turn, to, to, turn this into a production because, 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 because of everything that is embodied. So this book is as authentic, as raw, as emotional, as vulnerable it will ever get. I'm not sure if there's any book out there like that. Now, the reason why I can guarantee there's no other book like that, because there's no other will. There's only <laughs> one will. I can guarantee you. There's nothing, there's nobody that has ever been like me that, that is like me, they're ever gonna be another will. So I'm here to tell everybody you are unique, you are loved, you are every bit as, as good as anybody else, because God made you in his image. And Where can we no find reason. the book at Will? Amazon. You go to Amazon, it's on the Kindle version right now, but the paperback will be uh, available soon. Uh, and and I'm like just really really looking forward from 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 the uh, from from what I'm getting from other people and reviews and stuff is doing pretty well and people are really appreciating uh, you know the book and and it's really like a blueprint or landscape for for men to finally have somebody that they can associate with All right. somebody All right. that that they can say you know what I identify I see myself in this man. Well, we're definitely gonna have to have you back. I want to ask you one last question. Um, Got to turn this back over to Stars Tina, but I want to ask this question. I want you to get in touch with those emotions, that emotional intelligence. And I want you to tell the audience how it feels to have a woman in the presence, yet not be threatened by the poison that could come out of her mouth. How does that feel? 
Really, Pastor Jeff? You had to go there. I just had to <laughs> No, I been quiet the whole time. I had the mute on. You had to. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> I had to go there. I, I want men to understand the power and the feeling of being able to be in the presence of a woman that does not emasculate them, that does not project on them. And the fact that you're there and you are heard. Will, how does that feel? It's very refreshing. And, and of course, this is Tina. I didn't expect no less than that from Tina. This is Tina, by the way. I mean, there's nothing else to say. But I have to admit that I wish we have more women like Tina. I wish we have more women that will open up a space for men to be vulnerable. And as I mentioned before, I've been married twice. And both of my marriage, um, I wasn't I wasn't a, a saint. And, and I would take full responsibility and accountability because I was a co-participant. I was there. Okay. And both women that I married, they are from different parts of the world. Okay. Um, I was emasculated. I was called the women in, in, in the in the relationship. I was being I was being called uh, I was being too emotional. I was being too vulnerable. So for me, this is refreshing. For me. I didn't feel threatened. I didn't feel like less than a man. As a matter of fact, she empowers me mm. with her presence because now I can open up and speak my truth without feeling some type of way, without feeling like uh, she's gonna she's gonna think that I'm weak. As a matter of fact, she empowers me more than anybody can can even imagine. So I, I appreciate you, Tina, for being here, for allowing me, uh, for creating this space for me. To be myself, and and you know, again, I want I want women that wants to create that kind of space. If you don't know how to do it, get with Tina; she can certainly teach you a thing or two, or three, or four. Thank, thank you so much. Will will rise. We're gonna have to rise and give it over to the star. And uh, yes. we're looking forward to you coming back again. Stars, I Tina, over to you. PJ and Will, amazing, amazing. I know everyone is cheering, cheering. PJ and Will, the biggest takeaway that I got from this was little boys that there's no mom figure around to get them into some type of program or have a coach or something. And that's what I did for my son because I was a single mom. And like you said, all I kept thinking was, is I want him to be a gentleman. I want him to open the door for ladies, you know, when they got to the car and all that sort of stuff. Another thing that sparked my mind when you two were talking, Will, PJ and I are putting a big event together. It's, it's, it's coming. And at first I said I wanted speakers. But listening to you and what made me think of it this way is when Will said he's got his own story. No one can tell his story like his story. I love Broadway shows. I love music videos. Anything entertaining people, right? People love to be entertained. People love to hear a good story. So, PJ, I'm thinking for our event Instead of having speakers just come and speak and talk and tell their stories, which can be kind of boring, why not have people come <laughs> and act out their story? So, for example, when you say your your monologue, and PJ, we want to hear that again before you go. Maybe that could be like our closing out statement. So get ready to say, where do you hear this, Will? Uh, what do you guys think about that as an event? Have people actually share their story? In monologue form. I, I, listen, um, I think it's great because again, it will bring out my authenticity because I'm not, I'm not impersonate somebody else, and I'm not 
telling somebody else's story. Um, and the emotions would come out and the tears might come out. It might bring some, but you know what? That's who I am. And I don't ever want to want anybody else to tell my story. So I, I think it's brilliant. Absolutely. So that is an outstanding and, and, and big old yes. Capital Y, capital E, capital S. I mean, I guess I should have asked PJ first. PJ, do you like that idea for the show, for the events? I like I like that idea. You know, we like to think outside of the box. Stars are not limited. <laughs> I love it. Are you ready to give us our show, our first show? We're ready. Okay. Well, well, this is something you might want to do for yourself as well. Uh, PJ wrote a story about his life. Listen, to go ahead, PJ. Can you imagine? A child so impatient that he couldn't wait for nine months of gestation. Entering this world before his time, scarlet fever, the price of his crime. Doctors, nurses, hospital staff were the extended family on his behalf. From kindergarten to birth, just one memory in his mind, hospital shots, milk, Christmas, is all that he can find. Ridiculed, bullied, abused, and abandoned. Ninth grade never completed, yet there's a master's on his mantle. Army, the path to a better education, yet he never expected the crossroads of molestation. God and church, the drugs of his choice, witchcraft and marriage, abuse, divorce, Love and lies, happiness denied, cancer, <laughs> surprised, yet he's still alive. Nine to five, laid off, goodbye, too proud to quit, men don't cry. Off to the war, the answers came, support his family, God's word proclaimed. DNA in the shadow, cancer at the door. Not again, God, haven't you and I been here before? Life in the balance, how much can one man take? Desires to escape held up by the weight of the responsibility on his plate. Now for all of those that may be thinking, PJ, you're just singing to the choir. Well, the purpose of my life is to inspire. Back to you, stars. <laughs> Pretty amazing. I think we're going to have to end every episode like that. With that <laughs> we're at the top of the hour. Will, congratulations on your book. I'm going to order it right now. We do want you back again. Any closing marks before we get out of here? Yes. I want to close with the story. As I was sitting in the jail cell, thinking that my life is over, thinking that when I get out, it's going to be hard for me to have a job. But better yet, what's going to happen after a month, a year? Who's going to beat me up? Am I going to have to watch myself? 
am I going to try to avoid dropping the soap? And as I was looking to the Rolodex of my friends in my head, trying to find somebody that I can call, but there was nobody to call. I did the crime. I did the time. When I got out, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wanted to go back in because out, I had to pay bills. But freedom was more important to me. So I've been there. So if you have been there, I want to tell you that it, you're going to be able to make it. I don't ever want you to feel like you don't have somebody you can call on. Because even though you may not think that you have somebody to call on, but there's a man. His line is open 24-7. He is closer than a brother. If you can't find somebody to call on, call on Jesus. He's always there. Closing out. Thank you. Peace. Thank you guys for rolling through.